0: C'est vrai. Je suis un anana.
1: Now, in the uh,
0: towers of uh, Edmonton. Ananatory, I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict. fabulous i am jessica
1: and i'm janelle and i just ruined my own life five seconds ago
0: (laughs) it's 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 a devastating blow it literally happened i do not know how you will recover it
1: happened as i was on on the phone with jessica it's i've discovered that katamari my favorite video game of all time (laughs) in which you play what appears to be a misshapen pill capsule with legs Uh, rolling shit up into a ball all you do is you just run around the universe and you roll things up into a ball it has an app there's a free app and I'm in the middle of exams you're destroying
0: other people's lives too you're bringing people down with you oh yeah
1: you roll them up into your little ball and like they scream and they try to fight you but you just keep rolling because you are indifferent to pain and suffering because all that matters (laughs) is the ball
0: all that matters is the ball yeah Yeah.
1: well that's not a thing that I needed to discover during the middle of my final season no
0: absolutely not It's similarly, like, I have this obsession with Tetris that inflicts me and just, like, takes over my brain at all of my waking hours, like, every couple years when I rediscover Tetris. And I start seeing it in my sleep. I start seeing it every time I close my eyes. Just the blocks falling. Just the blocks. (laughs) And then eventually I get over it and I move on with my life again. But it's always just waiting for a relapse. My moments stretch between Tetris episode to Tetris episode and that is all there is.
1: I am literally a single steam sail away from dropping out of university. Like, that's...
0: (laughs) At all times. That's
1: the knife's edge on which I balance right now. Well, especially right now, I'm in the middle of finals.
0: Yes. So before uh, Janelle's inevitable descent into Katamari madness, we're going to be today talking about Joshua Abraham Norton. He was once a relatively normal businessman from a relatively normal family of well-to-do Jewish merchants. There is some disagreement over his exact date of birth, but he was most likely born in 1818 in England, the second of nine children. His family moved to South Africa two years later.
1: So he had a weird accent. Just very
0: strange. (laughs) Deeply confusing. Especially because, like, he later moved to the U.S. and lived there for the rest of his days. Like, for most of his life he spent in San Francisco. So, just a deeply strange accent.
1: That's fun. I was telling Jessica earlier on this very phone call, uh, the only accent that my father is capable of doing is uh, a British accent, but the only British accent my father can do is Queen Elizabeth II.
0: Him, him, hello!
1: (laughs) I... I was in a relationship with someone who had an English accent for a while, and every time he came near the house, my father would be like, Oh, hello!
0: (laughs) Goodness gracious, young man, come inside! What
1: would you like to eat? That's all my dad can do. (laughs) It's just this jacked up... Fucking Queen Elizabeth II. So I feel like, yeah, I'm just gonna have flashbacks every time a British accent is even mentioned for the rest of my life.
0: Just mortification. Just, just a profound, childhood of watching my- f-
1: Watching my father scream a terrible Queen Elizabeth II impression into the unwitting face of anyone who ever came near the house with a genuine British accent.
0: <laughs> just, just the kind of- Emotional trauma of a of of a young child having to see that level mm. that level of unforgivable unforgivable impression.
1: It's just it's the kind of trauma that really sticks to your ribs. It's just you don't mm. you
0: don't quite you never quite get past it.
1: No, not really. My mother
0: did Marvin the Martian. Oh, that's kind of fun. Was like dead on.
1: Uh, my father can also do an Indian accent, but it it is probably a hate crime. So probably I don't almost definitely I don't encourage that one. Hmm.
0: <laughs> The British one, at the very least, is just odd.
1: <laughs> yeah, Queen Elizabeth doesn't need my defense. She doesn't need me coming to her defense. She can hold yeah, her she, own.
0: She's she can hold her own. She has lawyers and guards with bearskin hats.
1: She ran out of corgis though. Her last corgi finally oh, died. Oh, no, yeah. that's sad. So I don't know how she's defending herself these days if she doesn't have a
0: ferocious <laughs> army her... of corgis. Yeah, she's she's usually the alpha of a, just a pack of corgis just roaming the the halls of Buckingham Palace. Just <laughs> thirsting for biscuits. Mm. They're mostly to keep you away from her. <laughs> it's it's mostly that. Now the last one's gone. I'm coming, Liz. <laughs> oh my god. I think that's actually a threat. We'll not be
1: kept apart. <laughs> I think we've now crossed the line from joke to watch list. So.
0: <laughs> okay. Back to Norton. As a young man, he worked as a clerk in his father's ship sh- chandlery, which is apparently sh- pronounced... Chandlery, but I don't like it because I'm French. What is that? In Cape Town. Uh, it's a uh, it's a type of store that keeps ship supplies. So like, oh, that's kind of fun. Sails and ropes and stuff.
1: I thought you had said like ship chantry. I'm like, is that a fictional church for <laughs> ships? I don't chandlery makes more sense
0: Um, after the death of his parents and two of his brothers presumably of natural causes and probably not all at once considering the sources I looked at didn't feel the need to specify
1: I feel like if they died in a mass murder somebody would point that out that tends to be the thing that makes a footnote in your autobiography
0: Even in a time where, like, not a lot of notes were kept, I'm pretty sure if they had been smeared along along the chandlery wall. <laughs> and then his whole been...
1: family died. Yeah, they, somebody tends to <laughs> point that I out. I think
0: that would come up. <laughs> uh, after, after, the, uh, after their death, Norton emigrated to San Francisco, lured by the, the 1849 Gold Rush.
1: When you say lured... Yeah, I'm just picturing, like, a dirty prospector, just like, Yoo-hoo!
0: <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> Boys! <laughs> like, just, like, pulling, pulling, their, pulling their filthy overalls over the knee and just like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> just a strategically exposed nipple.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> he was not seeking gold himself, but rather the business opportunities that would arise as a consequence of the influx of money and people. Fair enough. Over the next few years, Norton invested in real estate and the commodities markets and became one of the most prosperous men in San Francisco a man of consequence, respected in the community.
1: Things you could do before 2008. (laughs) Get rich on real estate in San Francisco.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, respectable businessmen who make their money off the euphoria of prospective prospectors are not themselves immune to hubris and the heady promise of easy money. In late 1852, China, responding to famine, banned the export of rice. Fair enough. I mean, like we don't have enough <laughs> I can see their point. food. We're gonna keep it, thanks. Like, None for you. Fair.
1: fair. <laughs> I get where they're coming from.
0: Our rice <laughs> seems reasonable. Uh, the price of rice soared, spiking from four cents a pound to thirty-six cents a pound. Sensing opportunity, Norton bought the entire hold of the Glide, a ship on return from Peru, carrying two hundred thousand pounds of rice for twelve and a half cents per pound. $25,000 in total.
1: Ah, so he's he's profiteering.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Norton paid a deposit of $2,000 and signed a contract to pay the remaining 23000 in the next 30 days. Before the glide made land, the very next day after Norton bought its entire 200,000-pound cargo, several ships, likewise laden with Peruvian rice, docked in, San Fran- in the San Francisco harbor, Relieving the price pressure caused by scarcity and smacking the price of rice straight back down to the appropriate equilibrium po- point on the supply-demand curve at three cents a pound, Aww. cheaper than even before the shortage.
1: So it is. It is kind of like the two thousand eight crash of the stock <laughs> market. A
0: little bit. Little bit. He, he. This coincidentally rendered Norton's massive investment in rice worthless and also Nine stupid. And a half cent <laughs> lost per pound from the get go.
1: Aww. <laughs> Probably should have, uh, thought that through.
0: Norton desperately tried and failed to have his contracts voided through an extended legal battle with the suppliers on the grounds that they had misled him on the quality of the rice. The lower courts found for Norton, but the Supreme Court of California did not agree.
1: Aw, oh, it's like somebody who puts all of their money into, like, Betamax tapes right mm. before DVDs comes out. Like, it's, it's yeah. that bad Just... of an investment.
0: Getting like this is this is exactly like getting into the real estate market just before the financial meltdown. It would be like this investing is... in
1: blockbuster right now.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely! Just that <laughs> one last store in Alaska, just going in hard on like the resurgence of physical media. Of, I'm all of, in, of, like rentals of physical media, because that's what just... everybody loved.
1: That's that's the problem with Netflix. You don't have to physically leave your home. To pay yep. late fees for not dropping off at scratch tape in time. That's really yeah. what the 90s were all about. Nostalgia. That's,
0: that's, that's, it's exactly what it is. It's just like, if I'm in the mood to watch a movie, I'm not actually in a mood to go outside to, like, to, like, to walk down I the street. I yearn for the days you were forced to leave your home. See another human being. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: that's That's what we all want. More social interaction with a dude who mm. looks like Jesus and works at Blockbuster.
0: Yep, that's that's the kind of deep, meaningful connection I need to build.
1: <laughs> I have my investment portfolio all worked out.
0: Makes sense to me. I will, if I am ever rich, I will personally, personally refloat refloat the physical media rental market just so I can have those conversations with, like, stoned-out teenagers back. <laughs> awesome. That, that makes perfect sense to me.
1: Also, so you can give your investment banker a heart attack
0: just so i can just devastate some poor soul working for td <laughs> <laughs> just just traumatize them just they they they're gonna have to like my I'm gonna go walk into my bank one day and then she's gonna I'm just gonna walk into a room where like there's an odd banner that says an intervention across it. <laughs> just several men in suits are just gonna like walk up to me and like put put a loving hand on my shoulder and ask what's wrong.
1: Every moment that a financial advisor is not having stress hyperventilation because of Jessica is a moment she feels the cold pang of regret.
0: <laughs> you need to. You need to live your best life. You need to take opportunities after they come to just give a middle manager named Janet stress hives.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's how we really live.
0: That's how I roll. Norton's North Beach real estate holdings were foreclosed by the bank to pay his debts. Alongside a series of other misfortunes. And Norton eventually filed for bankruptcy in 1856 with outstanding liabilities worth over $50,000. Damn,
1: if he... If he just hung on to his real estate and then also achieved human immortality, he would be doing great right now.
0: Oh yeah, like he would be living the high life <laughs> if he hadn't been sent off the deep end by like
1: <laughs> a bad batch of rice,
0: and also being dead. And to and to be clear, like that's not in modern terms. That is absolutely in eight hundred mid like the eight hundred fifties dollars. Like this is this is a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, by 1858 he was living in a working class flop house surviving by working as a commission agent agent
1: man whatever happened to flop houses that's something you don't hear anymore
0: uh, yeah I think it's just the word went away
1: floppings I don't know I don't know what a flop is but I know that I don't want to be one and I will no. hit you if you call me one
0: <laughs> that, that just feels insulting I don't I have no idea what it means. But I will, I I don't will show like it. you what for, young man. <laughs> uh, how dare you! <laughs> get minced at by, by Janelle's father. Just How really dare gracious.
1: you! I'm so glad my parents don't, don't listen to this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would probably be fair to say that Norton's six-year spiral into poverty was a tad stressful. <laughs> a little bit. I could see it. He went from the heights of San Francisco society to its depths in less than a decade, due to his own folly and miscalculation. I have no doubt that all of us would struggle to cope in a similar predicament.
1: It's basically a description of my ever-growing student loans, to be honest, achieving complete (laughs) financial ruin in less than ten years.
0: (laughs) It's almost almost a contest at this point. You're just trying to outdo... (laughs) Do Joshua Norton and just <laughs> devastate your finances and leave them irreparable in 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 shorter time than six years.
1: You lived in a flop house. Oh, well, I'm gonna live in a dumpster. Take that.
0: <laughs> My new house is a shopping cart. Eat I'm gonna it. <laughs> live in
1: a garbage can on Thirty Sixth Street.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna be the new. I'm gonna be a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Oscar the Grouch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the plan.
0: That is the plan. <laughs>
1: It's my only realistic plan for financial solvency at this point.
0: At this point, most would fade into obscurity, retreat from public life, and perhaps disappear entirely from the community that had witnessed so spectacular a fall from grace.
1: No, you gotta double Joshua down.
0: <laughs> Abraham Norton was no such man, no such <laughs> coward, and instead of fading into the mists of history, instead he had the courage, the moxie, to have one of the most spectacular mental breakdowns in the history of the human civilization.
1: I mean, you gotta go for realistic goals here. Yeah. If entrepreneurialism is not in your uh, is not in your crosshairs, you can always just go for shoelace-eating lunacy. It's nice to have excellence a backup plan. Excellence
0: comes. Excellence comes in a variety of flavors, and sometimes there's something to be said for being the best lunatic that you can be. <laughs> Just so utterly batty that your name goes down in history. It's not too late for me. I I, I still have dreams. Believe in yourself, Janelle. (laughs) And one day you too can go utterly mad. (laughs) Like I said, manageable, realistic goals. Move to a far-off country, achieve stellar success, then devastating loss. And just become utterly unglued.
1: I'm like three quarters of the way there already. <laughs>
0: I mean, you moved to the... Like, you're... It's a per, almost a perfect parallel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Somebody find me some bad rice investments. <laughs> we'll get this party started.
0: <laughs> so it's not precisely clear when Norton's delusions started. For the first 41 years of his life, he seemed to be basically fine. Respectable, successful pillar of the community. Even after the blow that was his bankruptcy, he continued seeming generally stable for the next few years. Uh, according to the Viejo Chronicler, or the Vallejo Chronicler if you want to be boring and speak English, Ew. Norton told an acquaintance that he had believed from a very young age that he was the unknown son, son of the French royal family, a descendant of the recently deposed Bourbon dynasty, placed with the Jewish Norton family for safekeeping. No, okay. contemporary, yeah, no contemporary reports other than that of the Vallejo chronic, chronicler corroborate Norton making such a claim, which seems odd. Well, Norton wasn't exactly shy, and if I thought I was the unacknowledged heir to the French throne, I'd probably mention it more than once.
1: So, he had a bit of a running start before he went straight off the deep end.
0: Well, my suspicion is that Norton was essentially fine until the stress of his financial ruin and extended public humiliation. I'm There's this sort of interesting historiographical problem when it comes to Norton where his popularity with the local media really encouraged people to create narratives around him and create running jokes and exaggerate stories of his eccentricity.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of fact checking back then.
0: No. You couldn't hop and on
1: Snopes and figure out if that was true.
0: It's dubious how much fact checking people are gonna be doing in, in that day and age on like stories about the local like the local homeless colour. <laughs> yeah No. On September seventeenth, eighteen fifty nine, Norton, fed up with his rough treatment at the hands of the United States legal system, distributed the following proclamation to several newspapers throughout the city which the editor of the San Francisco Bulletin published as a lark. <clears throat> At the peremptory request of a large majority of the citizens of these United States, I, Joshua Norton, formerly of Algoa Bay, Cape of Good Hope, and now for the last nine years and ten months past of San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself the Emperor of these United States, and in... Virtue of the authority thereby in me vested, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the Union to assemble in musical hall of this city, on the first day of February next, then and there to make such alterations in the existing laws of the Union as may ameliorate the evils under which the country is laboring, and thereby cause confidence to exist, both at home and abroad, in our stable stability and integrity." This proclamation was by The first emperor of the United States.
1: So, what is the <laughs> difference between a proclamation and a manifesto? Is it just whether or not you write it in your mom's basement? Is that really the the dividing line here?
0: It's it's sort of like what are the particular the particular ideas you are forwarding? <laughs> proclamation, I think, is more heavily associated with people with true delusions of grandeur and, (laughs) like, actual royalty.
1: So if if he had ranted for a little bit about how awful women and minorities are, this would be a manifesto. As it is. This would be
0: a yes, absolutely. This is just
1: a proclamation of crazy.
0: Yeah, if it was, like, I think a manifesto, you have to have some, like, ideology, some kind of, like, ideological framework that you're forwarding, whereas, like, he is just straight up saying, guess I'm emperor now. (laughs) Man. That's so brilliant though. What a loophole. <laughs> I mean, you can just say you're emperor and then I guess you are. <laughs> I'm kind of mad I never thought of that. He he later added a second title, Defender of Mexico, uh in response to the French invasion thereof. Oh, not not emperor of Mexico. He's just going to defend no. them. This is just him He's just he's just helping a friend out defending Mexico. I'm under the impression that this was because like he thought he was too busy with the United States, and like, while he understood that Mexico dearly needed his dearly needed his help and would have gracefully accepted his tutelage and 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 patronage, that uh, he was gonna he wasn't gonna bite off more than he would he could chew, and he would just defend Mexico instead.
1: I just like the image of him stomping off to Mexico from San Francisco with a kitchen knife, just like, all right, I gotta go defend Mexico. I said I would. I am a man of my word.
0: I'm here to perform my duties as protector of Mexico. (laughs) Stand back. Is that an apple car? (laughs) It's
1: all I need. I'm the emperor.
0: As emperor, this is within my power. Stand back. Norton, having secured his position as the absolute ruler of the United States of America, released a second proclamation dissolving Congress which Congress summarily ignored, if in fact they ever heard of it. Ah, oh,
1: what a loophole.
0: <laughs> After Congress's failure to obey Imperial edict and disband, Norton published a further decree ordering the United States military to proceed with a suitable force and clear the halls of Congress. The army, in a brazen act of insubordination, ignored this order.
1: That's, that's one way to, uh, to upset a military coup. Just, alright... <laughs> Go gun down the government. And they're just like, no. What a strategy.
0: (laughs) How about we don't? (laughs) It's
1: brilliant. He'll never see it coming.
0: Uh, Norton himself began patrolling the streets of San Francisco, wearing a baggy blue military uniform with with golden epaulets, a ceremonial sword, and a beaver hat bedecked with an extravagant feather and rosette.
1: Well, that's how you make friends.
0: <laughs> Obviously. Fashion. He generally carried a cane or umbrella, as was appropriately regal. Average San Franciscans, having always been rather odd people themselves, thought that this was all pretty hilarious, and as a community, largely decided to humor him.
1: <laughs> it's like that lady who goes out in New York City all dressed in green.
0: yo yeah, the green the lady. The green lady, we all
1: <laughs> just... We all just kind of know she's there. We're just we just kind of like her. Nobody yeah. takes her real we'd, seriously. If she declared herself the Empress of New York, we'd probably be like, "Oh, yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> we welcome our new green empress." But like we're not
1: we're not really going to let you run the subway. We're just going to kind of put up with you. Bill de Blasio yeah, is still very much the mayor.
0: Yeah, we're not going to give you any official powers. But if you want to call yourself empress, we're not going to argue with it. It's kind
1: of like, "Oh." Aww. Yeah, that's,
0: that's fun. You want to be emperor? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I assume that's about as seriously as people took this guy.
0: Yeah. On his patrol- uh, You'd be surprised. Oh, no. On his patrols around the city, Norton would perform inspections of the state of repair of sidewalks and cable cars, as well as the general dress and comportment of police officers. Oh. He was likewise ever willing to engage passerbys in philosophical conversation.
1: I mean, he's doing a better job than Mayor Bill de Blasio. I stand correctly. Nobody's checking the state of the sidewalks here.
0: (laughs) Citizens of the city took to bowing and saluting when they met him in the street, as befitting his royal station. As his fame and popularity grew, restaurants began inviting Norton to dine free of charge as a guest, and and hanging brass plaques on the wall announcing that the, the, the establishment was favored by the local beggar emperor, Norton I., See, as a mental
1: health professional, I don't really know how you treat someone who's being enabled by an entire city.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're kind of looking after him. Sort of. This is like his physical deep are being men. and But it's just like, the way I see it is just like, is there any better medical treatment for him? <laughs> I mean, at the time, no, I guess. I mean, even if you took him to an asylum, would he be better off? No,
1: you just kind of got to keep him out of traffic. That's pretty much all they can do at this point.
0: Like, Keep him off the point, road. Like, it's, just, it's just, like, asylums are just holding centers at this particular, uh, particular uh, point in history. The
1: term snake pit is used for a reason.
0: At the height of his power, the finest restaurants in the city were competing with one another for Norton's patronage. Theaters, similarly, set aside balcony seats for Norton. Shit. There was even a play performed in San Francisco at the time that had Norton as a character and notable contemporary literary figures such as Robert Louis Stevenson and Mark Twain took inspiration from him. Shit! Norton even attended various civic events, such as railway openings and the inaugural ball held to commemorate the completion of the new Capitol building. He issued his own currency, essentially government bonds for a government that did not exist, which locals treated as legal tender every bit as legitimate as the American dollar.
1: So, like, when Although a five-year-old... A lot of people
0: just kept them as mementos. When a
1: five-year-old tries to pay you for cookies with handmade money, and you're like, ah, okay. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, like, he would he would get local printers to print it for him, they, which they would just do. They would just do that for him. And then he'd just use them to buy things around the city <laughs> and would uh, sell them to tourists. I'm not wrong when I say this is
1: a full city of enablement.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. Because they just thought it was incredibly funny. This is how
1: you treat a five-year-old who hands you a fake phone. And you answer it. That's what this is.
0: Yo, absolutely. Everyone is just nodding and humoring this.
1: (laughs) You are all complicit in whatever happens to this man.
0: Oh, yeah, like, they're just like, oh, you want to go to the the new cap, like, to see the new capitol building and inspect it? Sure! (laughs) Sure! You can rub notes with you can rub elbows with the with with the political leaders of the state. That's fine.
1: <laughs> Get in, I'll drive you.
0: <laughs> this should be fun. I don't think
1: he was crazy at all. I think he was brilliant. Oh yeah, but this man is
0: a genius. This is
1: like the cheat code for life. Just declare yourself emperor.
0: Mm. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors at one point bought Norton a replacement for his uniform when his old regalia started to look a bit ratty. Norton responded with a thank you note and a patent of nobility and peper- perpetuity for each member of the board. Uh, Norton's occupation was simply listed as emperor by the, ni- by the 1870 census.
1: See, they always there's always this impression that we give that like, people in the past had no sense of humor, but that is absolutely oh not true. Humans have been amused by weird shit for as long as there have been people. <laughs>
0: We have always been this strange. We're just we're just a bunch
1: of weird assholes, no matter what era we live in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like we get this idea of particularly from the Victorian era of like our ancestors is very very serious, mostly due to the fact that like the things that we keep, the things that we retain, the things that we think to preserve are very serious. Yeah, they're very serious. Like. Most of our ideas of people in the past are like these very important serious documents or even uh, pictures back in the day when photography was quite a bit more expensive and everyone had to sit extremely still and could not smile otherwise it would come out blurry because it took so long to develop. So most of what we gets, gets left behind and what gets preserved gives us a skewed idea of what our ancestors were like.
1: No, your, your great-grandmother thought buttholes were funny, and her mother thought buttholes oh. were funny, and her mother thought buttholes were funny.
0: And so on and so forth to the beginning of a time. The buttholes have always been have funny. Known, as long as we have had the concept of butthole, and the language to communicate the concept of butthole, there have been jokes about buttholes. It's just who we are and as a people. I, and I think that gives me a, like, a level of continuity, stretching out into the past and stretching into the future. Buttholes are hilarious.
1: We are. And they always have buttholes. We are just. We're basically apes that figured out how to make sharp rocks before other apes did. That's all we've got. That's a, that's a height of sophistication. That's who we are deep down.
0: We've always been profoundly odd. And Norton the First was a bona fide, extremely localized meme for a group of baffling people. <laughs> <laughs> he was just the in
1: joke of San Francisco.
0: But Norton was but like this was actually fairly common for uh, the, the people of San Francisco. Norton was far from the only eccentric character to grace dr- the streets of 19th, of, the, of the 19th century. Another notable was Frederick Coombs, a photographer, inventor, and phrenologist otherwise known as George Washington II because in addition to the aforementioned passion for photography, inventing, and making unfounded assumptions based on skull shape, he wore a tricorn hat, powdered wig, and continental army uniform, and firmly believed he was the first president of the United States, living in mid-19th century San Francisco.
1: Oh, so everyone wants to party with that guy.
0: Oh, everybody. (laughs) He seems fun. He does.
1: See, I'm kind of sad that all of the, like, quirky people I meet around New York City are not they're not people who believe that they're reenactments or reincarnations of historical figures. They're just people who like to shit openly onto subway tracks.
0: And that is unfortunate. Although I, th- I think mostly the reason why like people back in the day did not consider shitting on the subway tracks is notable is just because like, everybody shat on the That's subway tracks. That's what
1: you're tracks. supposed to do. You just You stand on the yellow <laughs> line and you just pop your ass over the edge.
0: That's, that's what the yellow line originally was. Just guidelines for where to put your feet if you don't want to fall over into the... When, when you're taking care of business. Basically,
1: <laughs> gymnastics. its Like a mm. like a really shitty parkour.
0: Uh, so, uh, fittingly, General George Washington has something of a rivalry with absolute ruler Emperor Norton I. Oh, they weren't friends! Coombs... No, they, had, they were rivals! Oh, I wanted them
1: to hang out. <laughs> I wanted them to have fun sleepovers.
0: <laughs> Coombs accused Norton of tearing down some posters he had put up which he reported to the police. The police responded that they couldn't really do anything about that, Mr. President, seeing as tearing down posters isn't actually illegal.
1: Also, oh, he's the emperor, uh, so we're kind of,
0: you know, yeah, I hands mean, are like, tied. Our hands are tied. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you can't uh, enable Coom-
1: people on a city level.
0: <laughs> uh, Coombs then attempted to sell the story to a newspaper as a means of raising enough money to launch a civil suit. When the reporter asked why Norton would do such a thing, Coombs responded that Norton was jealous of Coombs' popularity with the fairer sex.
1: (laughs) Oh, this is now a rivalry. This is...
0: Yes, uh, apparently Coombs had something of an obsession with himself as, like, extremely attractive. That's what
1: the ladies go for. We want reincarnated presidents or nothing. It's about having standards, ladies.
0: I want a tubby, balding man who is dead certain he is the fo- he, he he is a long dead president <laughs> that's that's what does it for me. I demand
1: Andrew Jackson or nothing.
0: The resulting article published in the Alta, California, made sport of both Coombs and Norton and implied that they were insane. Oh in which gee. a grave offense and demanded a retraction.
1: See, at least they
0: had a common enemy to unite. <laughs> this is kind of a... Uh... It really,
1: it brought them together. It's like a wacky romantic comedy, <laughs> except they're both deeply deluded men living in eighteen 19f- fifties uh, San Francisco.
0: The feud came to a head with Norton ordering that Coombs be arrested and committed to an insane asylum for no less than 30 days and Coombs flouncing off to a, in a huff to return to his native New York and presumably woo the ladies there. I just
1: like the 30 days. Like, that ought to do it. 30 days. That'll sort him out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was a kind and generous, generous monarch. It's basically an extended vacation. in all ways. Yeah,
1: he has a great deal of faith in 1850 psychiatric care.
0: <laughs> uh, Cartoonist and particularly ca- ca- uh, caricaturist at Jump often depicted Norton alongside a pair of well-known San Francisco natives, a pair of street dogs named Bummer and Lazarus who were tolerated by the general populace for their general for their prodigious ability to kill rats and followed by the easily bored masses like some kind of odd stray dog soap opera. I was going to say
1: like what does a dog have to do before you name it Lazarus? Does it does it not die? Is that what it's is Lazarus still out there?
0: So Bummer the uh he, who's apparently a Newfoundland cross of some Oh, kind.
1: so these are big dogs.
0: Big dog. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking like this was an era where, like, the dog, the street dogs, outnumbered New Yorkers, like, two to one. <laughs> Yay! Uh, so, like, a lot of people would just, like, poison or trap these dogs. You know, like, like uh, unless they were very good ratters. Uh, Bummer was a ratter who sort of ha- hung out around outside a pub. And one day, he uh, rescued this other dog from uh, a-, a-, a dog fight by attacking the, uh, the-, the attacker back by defending this dog, and the dog itself, uh, which was injured in the, this attack, uh, quickly recovered and thus got the name Lazarus, after the uh, biblical character who uh, is, dies and then is resurrected.
1: See, I understand why people follow these dogs. I've heard about them, I've known about them for two minutes, and I'm already deeply invested.
0: Yeah, so after this, uh, after this altercation... The, the, the two dogs then became inseparable for the rest of their lives. Aww. Bummer and Lazarus were, by popular demand, exempt from the general ordinance to round up strays. The dogs are often linked to Norton and said to belong to him, but there's really no evidence that that was the case. Beyond the general popular association between Norton, Lazarus, and Bummer as fellow celebrities and touchstones of San Franciscan culture and street life. They have
1: their own Wikipedia page! Yeah, they do! Damn it, I don't even yeah, have my, my own wanna... Wikipedia page.
0: If you want to read up more on Lazarus and Bummer, there is a full Wikipedia page. I'm less
1: notable than two homeless dogs (laughs) from the
0: 1860s. (laughs) What is it like? One day that you will be almost as famous as these two dogs. Oh, it's like a long page. Over a century and a half ago. Yeah, it's extensive. Is that
1: too much to ask?
0: San Franciscans are weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's all I want in this life.
0: On January 21st, 1867, a police officer arrested His Imperial Majesty Norton I.
1: (gasps) How dare he? With the
0: intention of referring him for involuntary mental health treatment resulting in widespread outrage among the emperor's subjects and several unkind editorials of local newspapers demanding Norton's release.
1: So this is the only sane person in San Francisco who's like, enough. (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) You
0: are... The one sane man is just like, this man is ill, he's not well, it's not funny. (laughs) The rest of you are making
1: him worse, you assholes. (laughs) This is the one guy who's going to point out that the emperor is naked, or in this case, that the emperor is not an emperor. <laughs> he
0: is a deeply unwell beggar. He's a
1: failed homeless man from South Africa.
0: Uh, the chief of police apologized to Norton and ordered his release. Uh... Norton granted the arresting officer an imperial pardon. The the police chief wrote that Norton had shed no blood, robbed no one, and despoiled no country, which is more than can be said of fellows in that line.
1: I mean, I can't really throw stones here. There was a student at my high school who had some sort of issue where he believed that he was an FBI agent who had the author- like, he was there to surveil the school- And to be honest, like, every single person at my 1,200-person high school went along with it because it was just too much effort to explain to him that he was a 16-year-old Canadian boy (laughs) and not an FBI agent.
0: Uh, I mean, like, if he was gonna be anything, wouldn't he be CSIS?
1: No, apparently
0: the FBI... Wouldn't be Canadian intelligence? Or the CIA.
1: He wouldn't be the domestic enforcing body of the United States of America. No, I mean... Probably jokes on us. That's that's kind of the ultimate cover. I bet he really was FBI.
0: <laughs> it's entirely plausible.
1: No, Just... this is hiding in plain sight. But yeah, in as I a school, we completely sight. enabled Who would this believe kid.
0: Believe that at your school. Mm.
1: I think he got off class to go um. on missions. I think he was crazy like a fox. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: from that point, from th- fr- from that point on, police throughout the city saluted Norton as he passed. According to Isabel Osborne, Robert Louis Stevenson's stepdaughter, Norton was a, a gentle and kindly man, and fortunately found himself in the friendliest and most sentimental city in the world. The idea being, let he be, let him be emperor if he wants to.
1: Oh, hmm. it's kind of cute. The one cop's got to be like, okay, but for real, guys, like
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's not okay. <laughs> he's not fine.
1: Like I, I took him in for a reason. You fucking assholes are making this so much worse. You're not helping him.
0: The only sane man. Everyone else is saluting and (laughs) he's just like, are you
1: fucking serious? Are we really doing (laughs) this?
0: Are we, is this really what we're going for? (laughs) I'd be mad. I just, just, like, just genuinely frustrated. (laughs) Uh, he's, he's, He's frequently, his name is actually on Norton's, uh, Norton's Wikipedia page. So it did get him his place in history. But like he's just he's usually the adjective used about him is overzealous. For being the only one
1: responsible enough to try to get a profoundly mentally ill man some help.
0: I don't know if overzealous is the word I use. Maybe just sufficiently zealous. (laughs) He's just gonna go down in
1: history for being that one guy who reminds the teacher there was homework on a city wide level.
0: Spoiling everybody else's fun. We're just gonna lambast him
1: for that for the rest of history?
0: Just ruining everyone else's joke by insisting that this profoundly mentally ill dude that we're all laughing at... Is, is in fact mentally ill. Is in fact mentally ill, and should probably be given treatment. <laughs> Spoil sport. <laughs> Wet blankets. How dare you, sir. <laughs> Over the two decades of his reign, Norton commanded the formation of a le- commanded the formation of a League of Nations, banned religious conflict, abolished the Democratic and Republican parties, ordered that Sacramento install gas streetlights, uh, and repeatedly demanded the construction of a suspension bridge and tunnel to connect Oakland and San Fr- Oakland to San Francisco, then further called for the arrest of the Board of Supervisors for their refusal to o- obey imperial decree.
1: I mean, most of those are actually but... pretty solid suggestions. Did...
0: I mean, like, they make a lot of sense. <laughs> Did they actually follow through on this? Uh, the proposed suspension bridge and tunnel would not be built for several decades, opening in 1937. This is the Golden Gate Bridge, isn't it? He, it's the Golden Gate Bridge after he first ordered their construction. Are you there serious? There is less significant support to add Emperor Norton's name to that of the Golden Gate Bridge to honor his prescience.
1: <laughs> also, when I just screamed, are you serious? Uh, Siri took offense? <laughs> That's what that little she was like, "What?" <laughs> they he what? So even Sirius he shocked was, that even
0: Sirius is surprised is bamboozled by this turn of events.
1: That yeah, uh, one of the most iconic landmarks in US history was ordered by a nutty man who believed he was the emperor.
0: Yeah, he was one of the first people to openly support the building of the of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yep. That's fun. Uh that is very fun. Beyond his decrees, there is report that Norton once placed himself bodily between an anti-Chinese mob and the people that they were harassing. Norton bowed his head and recited the Lord's Prayer until the rioters abashedly dispersed. I mean, they could have done
1: a lot worse for Emperor, I'm just saying. The man probably had a point.
0: (laughs) Probably had a point. Like, it's very weird because in a lot of ways I find myself admiring him because he was clearly, like... I mean, he did have his problems. He apparently had, like, some traditional views on, like, appropriate femininity, but, like... It's 1860. I can cut him some slack. I mean, he's very much ahead of his day in terms of uh, religious secularism, religious tolerance, and uh, cosmopolitanism when it comes to race.
1: Shit, yeah. I mean, Uh, they probably... mm. They ran with it for a reason.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Like, in a lot of ways more so than him being sort of like a funny, crazy man, he was genuinely pleasant and companionable. Like, people liked him, and that was part of why they went along with his delusion. So, as previously discussed, um, the fact that Norton was deeply, already deeply eccentric by anyone's standard allowed any rumors started about him to be easily believed and spread, as little would stretch the limits of credulity, and we didn't have Snopes.
1: Yeah, you could, you could tell me anything about this man at this point, and I'd be like, yeah, no, no <laughs> sure. shit.
0: It actually made uh, researching this very difficult, because I'm just like, that sounds like it could be true, but I'm not actually sure. <laughs> uh, further, several fraudulent decrees were jokingly submitted to local newspapers or even written by the editors themselves under Norton's name. I mean, he sells, sells papers. Impoverished... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he... he... People were interested in him. He sold papers. People- And he gets shit done. copy. And he gets shit done. He has good ideas. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Insane, impoverished former real estate investor, though he may be, Norton's opinions carried a degree of weight with the local population. Writing under his name was one way that an editor with an agenda could float an idea and have it receive a lot of attention without necessarily being tied to it. The San Francisco and Museum and Historical Society keeps a list of decrees thought to be genuine, written by Norton himself.
1: Oh, it's kind of fun. Uh,
0: yeah. Norton, the first, 21-year reign, came to an end January 8th, 1880, when Norton collapsed on his way to a lecture at the California Academy of Sciences and died before he could receive medical attention. An inventory of his possessions at the time of his death revealed that, despite persistent rumors that he was secretly wealthy, Norton had few material possessions, primarily a collection of canes and hats, but also 98 shares in a defunct gold mine and a fake telegram from Alexander II of Russia, congratulating Norton on his upcoming marriage to Queen Victoria.
1: (laughs) Who's spreading rumors that he's wealthy? Where is he possibly getting income? He's basically being fed for lols.
0: That's, yeah, it's basically it. It's just sort of like people come up with this these romantic notions about the local eccentric, and they spread them around because they're fun, because they see him as a form of entertainment, rather than judging the rumors on how logical they he are. He
1: is a glorified mascot. <laughs>
0: Very much so. He actually is a mascot in San Francisco to this day. Like you can get a tour around San Francisco from a man dressed as Emperor Norton. He
1: he really should have trademarked his image. He could have made bank.
0: Too bad he was deeply unwell.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, aside um, from the like un- rampant untreated psychosis, he really had a good thing going here.
0: Yeah, he had a he had a he had a good deal. <laughs> Norton's liquid assets could perhaps be best described as a handful of spare change. Oh. Rather than allow their emperor to be buried in a pauper's grave with a pauper's coffin, a local business association, the Pacific Club, created a funeral fund to grant Norton an appropriately regal farewell. Norton's death was reported in newspapers across the country, and his funeral was attended by at least 10,000 people from all walks of life and all strata of society. The funeral procession was two miles long. Holy shit. Norton was buried in the Masonic Cemetery. In 1934, his remains were moved to the Woodland Lawn Cemetery in Colma, where they remain to this day. Shit. Yeah, you can actually take a pilgrimage to his his tomb if you want. Which is very common, I think, from uh, adherence to the religion Discordianism where he is considered a patron saint. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Seriously, people have always been into weird shit. (laughs) This is the equivalent of marking yourself down as a Jedi on the Canadian census, which I may or may not have done. (laughs) So I I can't really throw too many stones out of this glass house. But... I think, personally, he he was brilliant. There you go, kids. If you, uh have no hope of paying your student loans back, and you've made some poor financial decisions, you always have the option to just lose your mind and declare yourself emperor and then live out the rest of your life as a fondly tolerated mascot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's possible, I believe With a
1: net worth of literally couch change.
0: (laughs) Yeah, roughly five bucks.
1: (laughs) That's a life you can obtain, it's a good life.
0: Yeah. Like you, you may have like no money. You may have no assets to your name, but you can just surf along on notoriety of of, of the notoriety of being the local the local crank. <laughs> you can
1: toil in anonymity, or you can start writing insane letters to the editor. It is up to you. Manifest <laughs> destiny.
0: Manifesto destiny. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Norton the first.
1: That's fun. I like that.
0: Yes. He's he's very sweet.
1: Finally, someone's given me something to aspire to.
0: <laughs> I thought it was appropriate to have a happy episode.
1: <laughs> are you suggesting that my episodes are not filled with joy and childlike wonder?
0: I might forward that hearing about the horrific death of young men born for better things is not the most cheery way to set, send, set to start one's day.
1: Well, I have good news. I would imply I have good news. Uh, next week's episode will be a quadruple homicide, and the fun part—oh,
0: that is fun—is that I have
1: more than one quadruple homicide to choose from.
0: <laughs> so we don't even know quite which quadruple homicide it is. Just no, yet. I'm just—I'm
1: juggling a few, but they are all quadruple homicides.
0: <laughs> oh well, that's definitely something to look forward to next week. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this episode I'm Jessica and I am still Janelle
1: and we fat, are fat French, French and, and fabulous. fabulous and we are also your emperor
0: ha, ha, ha bow before me subjects citizens it is I your wise and generous ruler <laughs> know that under my wing all will be well
1: I feel better already